That's exciting right there. Man, listen, we've had a great few weeks. Um, if you've been a part of the last three weeks that have been going on around here at Central Baptist Church and the camp and, and everything that's going on, we've had a time. And uh, some of us are a little bit tired, and that's okay. So uh, since we've done three weeks of camp, you know, I'm not responsible for everything that I say tonight, just most things, okay? And, uh, uh, but man, they, they no choir tonight and ice cream, and so I just... Uh, uh, I don't know if that's pressure on me to see if I can make it to 6 o'clock. And uh, I know because that's why you came tonight is for the ice cream. And uh, right, Lee? Is Lee out there somewhere? Lee? Lee? And uh, no, he always comes to me. But John, I did not come just for the ice cream tonight. And I uh, and, uh, love giving him a hard time. But we have had a time uh, with camp. And I hope that you have got with your young people uh, the last few days or few weeks when we get back from camp and talked with them about uh, the decisions that they have made. Um, I know uh, I'm getting ahead of myself right now, and I should just, just slow down, and, and uh, I'm really excited about tonight. And I'm sorry, Miss Gretchen, it's not going to be the message I told you it was going to be. Uh, she told me at camp this last week, she goes, next time you preach, you need to preach this message. I'm like, I don't even remember that message. And uh, <laughs> it was a great one. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, this is the one I plan on preaching next time, and it's not that one. I'm sorry for that. I apologize. I don't want to be a liar. And uh, anyway, uh, this guy did, uh, I got to pull this up. I, I try to tell jokes, but they're just never that funny. I told my wife, and she's like, yeah. <laughs> I told my son, he's like, oh, okay. So maybe it'll come off a little bit better. At least, you know, give me a courtesy laugh. A man uh, got up to leave uh, early from church service, and the pastor asked him where he was going. He said to get a haircut. Pastor says, well, why didn't you get one before the service? It I didn't need one then. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. See, there we go. And then, uh, let's see here. I do have it here somewhere, but I just, oh, there it is. Later, he was heard remarking that his pastor was just like Pharaoh. Just like Pharaoh. What do you mean? Yeah, he doesn't let the people go. <laughs> and, uh, oh, that was better. That was better. All right. I wish I had a third one. We were getting, getting good right there. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, if you were in Sunday school, so if you were uh, in Sunday school this morning, you're going to get a, 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 another shot, and you'll probably get the whole thing tonight, and uh, so this is what I taught the young people, and I hope it comes across just like it did this morning, and uh, I started talking to the young people this morning about where they're at spiritually. Our theme of our camp this year was level up, to level up spiritually. And I wanted the young people. We're all on different levels spiritually, I believe. And, uh, you know, you might be down here, you might be here. But the goal was to get the young person to the next level spiritually. That was our goal. And when we left camp on Friday morning, Thursday night camp was amazing. And it, I, I'm getting ahead of myself again. But it was amazing the fact that they had come together, uh, that they had gotten things right. And I asked them this morning, where are you at now? And it got quiet. I mean, just like it is right now. They, do. they know. They're not where they were that Thursday night of camp. They know that. And I don't think they want to stay there. I don't think they want to get lower than where they were. I think they want to level up spiritually. I think they want to stay up there. I believe they want that. And I hope tonight we can see some things that Satan is really out to get us. Satan is out to destroy our lives. Uh, the Christian life is a battle from the spiritual cradle to the grave. From the spiritual 
cradle to the grave. That means the day that you got saved, the day that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, a spiritual battle began. Satan's attacks are specific, direct, and relentless. There is a danger of becoming a casualty in the battle of spiritual warfare. And to be frank, I'm tired. We're all tired of seeing those casualties. We don't want to see those casualties. Whether it be a teenager, a young person, an adult, you name it. We don't like seeing them. Hopefully tonight we can see why we're seeing those spiritual casualties. And maybe we can figure out what to do about it. God reveals in Scripture our protection to prevent Satan from winning the conflict. He has also provided spiritual armor to enable us to stand and to accomplish that for which we have been designed. You've heard me say that time and time again, that I believe the young people, I believe each and every one of us, were designed for something special. I've said it for, for years. When you were born, it wasn't an oops. God had a design for you. He has something he wants you to do. And I believe we become a spiritual casualty when we don't do that design. By knowing all the elements of our armor and how to utilize them, it allows us to be able to stand. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 10. Verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we'll stop there. And we can almost go to that first part. It says, for we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. But we do. Some of you even in here, in one of the messages I, I thought about preaching, uh, we had a, a message on Wednesday night at camp about bitterness and, and forgiveness. And, and I was like, man, that is so necessary because some of you, we wrestle against flesh and blood even in this room. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I need you tonight, Lord, to be a blessing to the people that are here. Lord, we are in a fight of our life spiritually. Lord, I pray that you would just help me, help my words to be your words, the ones that you would want me to say. Lord, I do ask you, Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved tonight, Lord, they would get it settled tonight. Lord, I thank you so much for loving us. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your grace you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. <clears throat> so how do we recognize our enemies? Excuse me here. Number one. There is an enemy within, which is our own flesh. There is an enemy within, which is our own flesh. Our speaker this last week, uh, Brother T.J. Bradbury, uh, when he spoke, I believe it was Thursday morning, might have been Wednesday morning, he brought a puppet up there and he wrote on his hand, he wrote the spirit on this side, and on this side he wrote the flesh. And he had the puppet up there and he put the puppet on one side and then he put the puppet on the other side. And obviously, whichever one you feed, but that was for the young people there to understand, whichever one we feed, obviously, that's the one that's going to make it. That's the one that's going to be the strongest. That's that's the one that's going to, to, to uh, survive. That's the one that's going to make it. The Bible says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. The flesh is the natural impulse to satisfy our selfish, sinful desires. You know, you wonder why every day you fail. 
I tell the teenagers this, and I ask them, I say, you don't want to fail. You don't want to fail spiritually, and none of them do. None of us in this room, we want to, spirit, to fail spiritually. But many times we do, day in and day out and day in and day out. And I, I wonder, man, I should have wrote flesh on this side for you and, and, and spirit on this side. I think, which one do you feed the most? You've heard the saying of uh, that, that Indian that uh, said uh, you had the white dog and the black dog and whichever one, the, the black dog representing, representing uh, the flesh, the white dog re- representing uh, the spirit, and whichever one you feed the most is going to get the biggest and get the strongest. Well, with our life, which one we feed the most is going to make it. And you wonder, I tell the young people, no wonder you fall daily. No wonder we fail every single day because we feed the flesh with movies, with TikTok, with internet, with all sorts of junk that goes into the flesh, and we don't feed the spirit. We battle the spirit, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we battle the enemy, which is our flesh, which is on the inside. We battle every day. I tell the young people, we don't like to fail. Yet all we feed is the flesh. No wonder we don't make it. No wonder the spirit is not, we're not walking in the spirit and talking in the spirit and loving people in the spirit. Why? Because all we're feeding is the flesh. The devil attempts to influence Jesus to act based upon a physical appetite rather than upon what the father wanted Jesus to do. Where is your appetite? Where is your appetite tonight? Is it for the fleshly things? Is it of this world? And we'll get to that in just a second. Is it of this world? We're feeding the flesh. Where is your appetite? Take your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The Bible says in verse 8, Verse 8, the Bible says, so then they that are in the flesh, what does it say? Cannot please God. What does it say? Cannot please God. How many times day in and day out do we walk in the flesh? How many times do we get up in the morning and we get uh, uh, to uh, go about our day and we don't spend time in the Word of God, we don't spend time in prayer, and we're going to go into battle. It's a spiritual battle. We know that. It's taught. We just read about it, and we go into battle without feeding the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one with the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So we have the enemy which is inside, which is our flesh. We all battle with it. We all battle with it, each and every one of us. That young people come to me and say, well, John, I battle with this. Okay, that is a sin. It's just as bad as this sin over here. And this sin is over here. And we all battle. Our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. Number two, there is an enemy unseen, the devil himself. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 6, And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give the angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. The devil attempted to influence Jesus to do the will of the devil rather than the will of the Father here. I tell the young people this all the time. Satan wants you to do anything except what God would have you to do. 
anything. It doesn't matter. You have God's will right here. And I, as I was going over there, I thinking, God's will is this way. Okay, this way. This way is, is, is this devil's way. It's none of us. I mean, the young people, nobody's in here is going to say, I want to serve the devil. I want to serve the devil. We, none of us would raise our hands. But we have God's way. And I got to thinking, even if I'm going this way, I'm not going God's way. I'm not going the way that God wants me to go. Well, I'm just a little bit. I'm, I'm not serving the devil. Well, sure, I'm not serving the devil. I'm not. But am I serving God? Am I doing exactly what God would have me to do? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Most of you know that. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. James 4, 7. Some of you know that one as well. James 4, 7. The Bible says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we have an enemy. What is our flesh? We battle every single day. There's an enemy that's unseen, the devil himself. Then there is the enemy that we can see, and that is the world. And if you don't understand, your head has got to be in the sand. The world is out to kill us. The world, the world is out to hurt our young people, our teenagers, our, the, even the adults sitting in here. The world does not like us, does not like the Christian, doesn't want us to make it, does not want us to, uh, to survive. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 8 and 9, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, Hey, all these things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. All these things. Look at all this. You can have all those things. I know I've, I've uh, flown an airplane a couple times. And I'm sure some of you have. And uh, you've flown into like Chicago. And about 10 minutes we're going to be landing here. And we're about to fly. And we're like lights. And there's lights and the lights. And you fly at night. You see all those beautiful lights. Beautiful. But have you been downtown Chicago? Have you been downtown Chicago? It stinks. It's not a fun place to be, and I don't even know how safe it is, especially nowadays. Listen, the world, uh, Satan makes everything look so pretty. Satan makes everything look so pretty on the outside. The Bible says that he takes Jesus to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, hey, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. The world represents those things and our influences that would distract us from God's will for our lives. <clears throat> anything. Anything that would distract us from God's will. He's for it. Oh, you say, well, if it's uh, to, to be a, a, a plumber, if it distracts you from being what God would have you to be, hey, do it. If it's to be a doctor, if it distracts you from being what God would have you to be, then do it. The devil attempts to influence Jesus to act based upon that which was desirable to have. You think about that right there. The devil attempted to influence Jesus to act based upon that which was desirable to have rather than what God the Father wanted Jesus to have. As I was going over that this afternoon, I couldn't help but think, is that some parents? Is that parents in here? No, it can't be. Are you, it can't be the parents. What you think that you think the parents would want God's will for the life? They do if it is to be the doctor. They do if it is to be the, the lawyer that's making a ton of money. They do if they want this. They make, but heaven forbid it be ministry. 
Heaven forbid it be serving God full time. Heaven forbid they would give their life to serve God full time. Oh, here, Satan says, hey, you can have it all. Take it all. It's desirable to have rather than to do what God the Father wanted Jesus to have. I remember, I've always wanted my boys to be in ministry. Always. You've heard me tell you this before. If they don't, I want them to do what God would have them to do. I remember bringing Bryce to school one day, and I said, man, what do you think God wants you to do? I think he wants me to be a fireman. I said, man, that's great if that's what God would have you to do. You be the best fireman you can be. And I'm not saying that we weren't called to be a doctor and a lawyer and electrician and a plumber. We need those. But make sure that's what God would have you to do. Take your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 2. With that being said, sure, ministry, we don't make a ton of money. And for 25 years, I think I've just been clipping coupons. Clipping coupons, clipping coupons. And you see on Facebook, you see, man, you see this person, what they're doing for the Lord, and this person, you see what they're doing for the Lord, and that person, you see what they're doing for the Lord, and you're like, woohoo! Man, we're clipping the coupons. Um, T.J. Bradbury was talking about uh, uh, um, Mike Ray and Miss Ferna. Uh, Miss Ferna was in T.J. Bradbury's uh, dad's church in Maryland many years ago. I said, man, I said, your dad is clipping coupons. Clipping coupons all for the life there. Um, man, I forgot where I was. Oh, ministry. Ministry. We don't make a ton of money. But I can tell you time and time and time again, my boys can tell you time and time again, where the Lord has blessed the Lord has provided. The Lord has taken care of. And it's amazing to see that happen. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 15. Says, the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth, what? Forever. Forever. James chapter 4. Turn over to James chapter 4. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, you know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now, I'm not saying to be unfriendly to the people of the world, but I'm saying that, that we ought to be a difference there. There ought to be a distinction there. There ought to be something that is different. These three enemies work together. Satan uses the flesh and the world to gain influence over us and to lead us into a destructive path. How many young people have gotten that destructive path? How many young people? I, I had marked there spiritual casualty. How many young people have become a spiritual casualty? We can also look at Facebook and, and see young people that were part of the youth group for 25 years that don't want anything to do with church. Don't want anything to do with God. And boy, it breaks your heart. And sometimes those young people were hurt. They were hurt and they get bitter at God and you want to reach down and hug them and you want to, you want to ask them what, what to happen. Sometimes it might have been me. Next, what is Satan's strategy to defeat us? Well, his attacks follow a pattern. Number one, they are constant. Take your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. They're constant. 
The Bible says, first off, in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Luke 22, verse 31, the Bible said, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as what? Wheat. I told the young people this morning, you put any of your names in that phrase. And the Lord said, I used this name this morning, Joseph, Joseph. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that ye may sift you as wheat. And I went around the room and I could point to each and every one of them, each and every one of you. He wants to sift you as wheat. He wants to destroy your life. He wants you not to make it spiritually. Satan's attacks are relentless and without mercy. When Satan desires to sift sift Peter here, Satan was referring to his desire to reduce him to pieces. This would result in the loss of Peter's effectiveness for the Lord and also great personal harm. We can never let down our guard. We can never let down our guard. You say, well, man, I'm having a great day. I've had a great day today, and I've had a great day the last couple days. I've had a great day. And some of the young people, man, after they got the bus on Friday, they were fired up. Man, they wanted to serve God, and I hope you talked to them. I hope you you talked about the decisions they made, and, and they were ready to go. But maybe Saturday, they let their guard down, and Satan got them. Satan got them. Hey, listen, we have got to have a guard up every single day. doesn't matter what's going on in our life. Yes, we may have a one day, and we might have a good day too, and a third day that's good, and a fourth day we think, oh, we got this, and we forget to read our Bible, we forget to pray, we forget to put on the whole armor of God, and Satan gets us, and we fail. And none of us like that. Nobody in this room likes to fail spiritually. Don't like to fail physically either, but we hate it when it just eats on us. If you're saved, that you have fallen spiritually. Number next, Satan's strategy is designed to take advantage of our weak areas. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. That means if I'm not ignorant of his devices, I know where they're at. I know what is hurting me spiritually. I know what is getting to me spiritually. Whether it's the flesh over here and what I'm feeding. Okay, is it the movies I'm watching? Is that what is killing my spiritual life? Is it the the phone? Is it the internet? Is it Facebook or TikTok or whatever? Is that what is killing? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? The Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 27, Neither give place to the devil. If he attacks you one way, it doesn't mean he will attack you the same way the next time. Maybe you know. Well, you know right where it's at. You know where you fail. You know where you fall. You know where the problem is, and you're trying to stay away from it. And Satan says, okay, you got that covered. Okay, watch this. And he throws you a little knuckleball, and he gets you another way. Listen, we have got to have our guard up. Number two, his strategies are predictable. His strategies are predictable. A, here, take your Bible, turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, this will explain it. Look at verse 44. The Bible says, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father. 
ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because where is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. I tell the young people all the time that Satan is the father of lies. He is. He lies to us all the time. He tells us that this person doesn't like us. He tells us that person doesn't care for us. He tells us the teenagers that nobody loves them and nobody cares for them. He is a liar. He was a liar in the Garden of Eden, and he's a, a liar today. He still lies to us. Satan can plant seeds of thought into our minds. They are seeds of lies and deceptiveness. Some of you maybe think that somebody doesn't like you in this room. Go to them. Go to them. That's the Bible way, isn't it? Isn't it the Bible says if you have an ought against someone, you're to go to that person? And I tell the teenagers all the time, if I think that you have something against me, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Watch out. I'm coming. Get it right. Revelation chapter uh, uh, 12, turn over there. He is a liar. His strategies are predictable. He is a liar. The father of lies. Revelation chapter 12, look at verse 10. The Bible says in verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuseth them before our God day and night. Satan accuses us to God. God to us, us to the brethren, and our brethren to us. He will do all he can to divide the body of Christ. He will do, you should have seen it Thursday night. Oh, my soul. I lost it. It was great. I know I was a little bit tired, so I lose it a little bit easier when I'm tired. But man, Thursday night, he preached. He preached. Oh, man, oh, man, I slipped my mind. Tell me what it is, Avery. Caught you off guard. Sorry. Talk about Jonathan and his armor bearer go and do something what what do something bold brave brave do something brave do something brave the next point was do something brave together then point number three do something brave that counts man he just saw the holy spirit working man he gave the invitation and everybody moved and they got into groups they got together and they were praying man it was awesome I mean, it was just amazing it was amazing. <clears throat> I don't know if they're that tight anymore. It's only been a week and three days. A week and three days. I think, where is that? Where is that? I, and we'll, we'll find out in just a minute. We haven't been putting on the whole armor of God. Uh, he is the accuser of the brethren. Next, he attacks our identity. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 3. The Bible says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Look at verse 6. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Immediately after Jesus' identity as a son of God was affirmed in Matthew 3.17, Satan, on two occasions, questioned his identity. 
in an attempt to prevent him from fulfilling his purpose. The battle for our personal identity in Christ is an intense attack which is intended for us to compromise our faith, our value, and our principles. Number three, by enlisting evil and wicked spiritual powers. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. It's where we started this evening. Ephesians chapter 6. Again, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We must recognize that we face a powerful spiritual evil, supernatural beings that exercise great influence over the earth. It is a battle every single day. Man, I encourage you as a, as a family. Listen, Satan wants to destroy the families. So, so what do we have to do? <clears throat> we have to get together. We have to pray. We have to read our Bible. We have to walk together. So how does God equip us to be victorious? I'm glad you asked. Number one, with truth. Ephesians 6, 14. Look at the Bible says. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with what? Truth. Integrity. Girt... Uh, uh, girding one's loins is a sign of being prepared for service to the Lord. Truth, like the belt that girded the clothing of a soldier, enables us to be prepared for battle. Knowing and living the truth, the Word of God enables us to defend ourselves against the attacks of Satan. Take your Bible, turn to John. Hold your finger there in Ephesians, but turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Look at verse 32. The Bible says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. Look at John chapter 17 and verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Verse 17, for some of you just got there, let's read it again. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We tell the young people in junior church, this is the word of God. Does God lie? No. Does God tell the truth? Yes. But for some reason, we get to an adult. Do we believe that this is the word of God? Do we believe that this is truth? Listen, we must realize that we have got to get up every day and put on truth in our life. Our loans girt about with truth. Number two, in Ephesians chapter 6 here, with righteousness. Purity. Look at verse 14. The Bible says about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Putting on God's righteousness is our personal responsibility. When we obey God's word, we are putting on his righteousness. These righteous deeds are very powerful to defend us against Satan's attacks. Hold your finger there and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And look at verse 25. The Bible says, And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord 
our God as he hath commanded us. Number three, with peace. The Bible says in verse 15 there, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take your Bible, turn to John chapter 14. Hold your place there in Ephesians, John chapter 14. Bible says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The soldier's footwear provided stability and protection on the paths that they would travel. God is telling us here that we should live with and constantly carry a peace that he will provide that same stability and protection in our life. I want the peace that God is going to take care of me. I want the peace that God's going to provide. Man, the times right now, so we have truth, we have righteousness, we have peace. Then we have faith in God. Look at verse 16. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Our faith in God provides a shield that protects us from Satan's fiery darts. Without the shield of faith, we will easily fall victim to the methods by which Satan tries to destroy us. Hold your finger there and turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We see in 1 John chapter 5. If you can turn over there. 1 John chapter 5. And look at verse 4. The Bible says, for whatsoever, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith in God. Listen, we have enough faith in God to keep us out of hell, but not enough faith that he's going to take care of us. And not enough faith that he's going to provide for us. And I know it's, it's easier said than done many times. <laughs> uh, I asked a young boy this morning, we're talking about Abraham and having faith in God. And I said, you trust me? He's like, yes, I trust you, Brother John. I, you trust me? Yes, I trust you. It was Josiah, matter of fact. And I brought him up there. He's like, yes, I trust you. And I put him on the table that's about this high, 36 inches, about 36 inches tall. I sat up there. I said, you're going to fall back? No, no. At camp, I also talked about faith, and I brought Liam up there. And on the steps, I said, uh, I said on the steps, you know, you had one step, two steps, and you fall back, and a trust fall, and he was going to fall back, and I caught him, and I said, all right, fall back, and, he, and I moved him up one. All right, now listen, and he started to fall back. I had to catch him real fast because he was falling without me knowing. But uh, anyway, he trusts me, he trusts me there. Then I put him up on the piano. He's like, put me down, put me down. I feel like that's us many times. We trust God that we're going to and not go to hell and praise the Lord for that. But we don't trust him that he's going to take care of us. We don't trust him that he's going to watch over us. We don't trust him that he's going to provide for us. Faith in God. Having faith in God. Number five. Look at verse 17. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With assurance of our salvation, the head is always a major target in battle. 
The helmet of salvation refers to the assurance of salvation. Satan will seek to provoke us to doubt our salvation and in so doing discourage us from withstanding his attack. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Look at verse 28. The Bible says in verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I thought about that doubt of salvation. Many times, that's why we don't go soul winning. Many times we, don't, we knock on doors and we don't want to go soul winning because we doubt our salvation. Is it really true? Did I, I put my faith in him? Am I really, really able to tell the gospel and explain the gospel if I don't really believe it? Listen, if Satan can get you, that's one of Satan's lies, okay, is for you to doubt salvation. Next, the, with his word, Ephesians 6, 17, the Bible says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The Word of God is the believer's first offensive weapon. It is much more powerful than any weapon Satan has to effectively use the sword. We must know and obey the Bible. We must know and obey the Bible. Every week we give, and it, it's probably just as much my fault as it is maybe the parents' fault, but every week we give a verse to go home to the young people for them to memorize and come back and quote and say, we average 60 to 70 up there in junior church and this morning I think we had 13 that said the verse and maybe it's my fault because I haven't put it out there that parents hey we're trying to do this and as a young person but we're trying to get the word of God in them because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword we've got to have the word of God in them then with prayer look at verse 18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Prayer is another offensive weapon for the believer. It is a constant source of understanding and direction. It is that essential ingredient which unifies all the elements of the armor, allowing them all to serve to full benefit. Listen, we have to have the armor of God on every single day. I have to, I have to, as a, as a, as a youth pastor, as, as a father, as a, as a, a husband, i got to put on the whole armor of God daily. Man, we just read all Satan. He's a liar. He's an accuser of the brethren. Listen, he wants to destroy our lives. He wants to destroy the young people. Listen, we need families to get together. We need young people and adults to make sure that every day we put on the whole armor of God daily. It is a spiritual battle. And if you, don't, if you haven't recognized that, man, I'm telling you, something is not right. Something's not right. We battle with the flesh daily. I don't understand many times the flesh over here. And we allow the young people to get fed with the flesh, with the movies, with the phones, with the music. It's amazing the amount of music that our young people is listening to. I don't understand it. I'm thinking, parents, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're feeding the flesh. We're feeding the flesh. No wonder they don't want to serve God. No wonder they don't want to grow spiritually. Let's make sure that every day we're putting on the whole armor of God. And if not, let's start today. Let's start tomorrow. Let's start with families tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
every head bowed, every eye closed. In just a minute, the music's going to begin to play. And as the Lord spoke to your heart, man, listen, come to the altar. You know where Satan attacks you. You know where he gets you. You know know where he attacks your life. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's worldly music. As the music, you stand with your head bowed and eyes closed. As the music begins to play, as I come and get it taken care of, don't leave here tonight. Don't leave here tonight. Listen, if you're not saved, you never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, get that taken care of as well. Get it taken care of. Come forward. We got somebody down here that will show you how to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. retreat this year is going to be something different i'm looking forward to that i know it's a long ways away but i'm excited for uh winter retreat and and uh uh i tell you the theme right now i'm thinking of unite because i want the families to be united and satan is is after the families i talked to a young man on friday afternoon and uh, pulled in to get some fuel and i look over there and he's had his head down he's just sitting there and he wasn't getting fuel he was just sitting there and just looked like he didn't want to be anywhere. And I just looked over at him and said, hey, man, you okay? He said, no, my wife and I just split. And uh, just talked to him for about 30 minutes. I sat there and talked to him. And um, he said he was already saved and tried to get him to come to that church on that Friday night. And, and uh, uh, he'd been married for three years. And they're splitting up. 
And uh, listen, Satan's after the family. Satan's after the young people. He's after you. Each and every one, he wants you to mess up. And if we don't realize that, listen, I tell the young people all the time, do you like to fail? I say, no, I don't either. And you don't either. So let's make sure that each and every day we go to the Lord and we put on the whole armor of God every single day. One quick announcement that I have is for the, the volleyball meeting is for varsity only. If you're going to be playing varsity this year and uh, if you're of that age, Bryce.